five keys to diffusing conflict. Diffusing like making it softer than it might be. Now, it is excellent when everyone is on the same page. Whether in work, relationships, or on a sports team, when everyone just knows what the other one is thinking without even mentioning it, and you're just like working together for a common cause without any problems, and that happens. It happens occasionally. Like, there's a few magic moments in there. But for the vast majority of the time, there is, uh, there is friction, like sandpaper, like ch ch, -ch. In relationships, you know, so many times I'm like going and I'm, I'm thinking that my wife is thinking the same thing that I'm thinking and I'm just acting by what I'm thinking, thinking she's thinking what I'm thinking. But then I discover that my thinking isn't actually what she's thinking and that our thinkings aren't even on the same page. Perhaps they are not even on the same book. <laughs> and work. So I worked with my family for uh, a long time, very closely. So I have six younger brothers and I worked with my one younger brother, Josh, very closely for a number of years. And when we were, this was back when we were in our 20s and uh, some of uh, our employees nicknamed it Fist Fight Fridays. <laughs> because one time we had a small discussion over how many tires should be covering the pile and uh, yeah, we got into a fist fight and uh, ended up. <laughs> and then like the next day we ended up talking to be like, we, we misunderstood each other. We hadn't actually, we hadn't actually disagreed. He thought that I was doing something. I thought he was doing something. And so we, uh, yeah, we punched each other for no reason, but hey, you know. It's not the worst thing that happens. We still love it. I talk to this brother like every week still, like we were really close, but. Uh... And sometimes even, like not here, but in, in other churches, <laughs> people have disagreements about things from severe doctrinal things and things that I would say really matter to the length of the coat rack. <laughs> now here's the thing. As hard as conflict is, conflict is often better than not having conflict. Because conflict happens because we care about things and because things actually matter in life. There is truth. There's things that are true. There are things that are false. And those things really matter in such a way that, at least this has been my experience, that had it not been for people getting on my case or disagreeing with me, I wouldn't be where I am today. If life matters, you're going to have disagreements with each other. And in fact, the book of 2 Corinthians, like, this is going to be the first sermon really on, like, conflict disagreements. And it's not going to be the last because it's just full 
of, of conflict over various things. But the first one is what we talked about last week. We introduced it. And, it, and it's such a kind of a silly reason why they're upset. They're upset because Paul changed his travel plans. So instead of going to Corinth, up to Macedonia, then back to Corinth, he's going to go to Macedonia and then down to Corinth just once. And they're like, oh, you said you're going to go twice, and now it's once. You're saying yes, yes, no, no. You're such a terrible person, Paul. Now, in this text today, we're going to see Paul's pastoral heart in in entering into this conflict in God-honoring ways instead of letting this really silly thing boil into something greater. All right, so five keys. I said there were five keys, and I'm going to tell you right away. So this is going to be a sermon where I tell you everything, and then we're going to explain it. Number one, the first key to diffusing conflict is remember God. Remember God. If you don't remember God, you're going to have more troubles. Secondly, be a co-worker of joy. My favorite line in this whole text. Three, admit your own mistakes. What? Admit your own. I'm not sure. I might skip that point. <laughs> Why are you looking at me, dear? I have nothing to hide. Four, have a team mentality. And five, feel the pain you inflict. Okay, so first, and it's a good place to start. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To so remember God. And that's to say, if, if you're in any argument ever, if you're in the middle of any conflict where tempers are raised, stop looking across and start looking up. Because looking up to God sets everything in the right light. So Paul, after he has his little like excursus about the all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Like he just like, just goes into that in the middle of this talk about travel plans, just talking about this amazing promise. But then he goes back here in verse 23 and he begins, but I call God, I call God to witness against me. We're not going to get into it. Uh, but a good discussion to think about is how is saying this okay, even though Jesus says, let your yes be yes, no be no. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming into Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith. We have a conflict. And our tendency is to let our minds be filled with the person that we're having the conflict with and forget about the fact that not only will they stand before God for the dumb thing that they did in loading the dishwasher in such a weird way, <laughs> but that you will stand before God for how you discussed 
loading the dishwasher in such a weird way. Like, who even puts that on the top rack? It's never going to get clean. Okay, I'm just inviting you into an argument we have in our family. But Paul immediately turns the discussion and says, no, look, remember God. And he says, but I call God as a witness here. And he's going to say, this is, I'm speaking the truth. And it's a, it's a witness uh, against me. And it's really like against his life or against his soul. <laughs> it's like, it's like, let me die if I am speaking a lie here. We need to stop thinking when we're in an argument about the other person, but consider God first. And, and when, we, when we lift our eyes to God, we get to remember the little thing, like we said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive others as, as forgive me, Lord, as I have forgiven others, or that's as we forgive our debtors. So we remember that all of us stand as sinners before God, and it's only by the grace of God that we stand at all. And so that when we are in an argument with another person, we are not like some superior angelic being looking down on a person who has done wrong, but we are both beggars of grace, both beggars of grace, trying to work our way underneath God to do what is right and just in a situation. It changes things. Because we can no longer, when we set it in light of God, we can't lord it over. And so Paul says, we, we don't lord it over your faith. So Paul, Paul's saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm maybe correcting you a little bit here. But I am not lord of your faith. There is only one lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is especially relevant here. This is, Paul says, we don't lord it over your faith. If anyone in the world ever had a, a reason to lord it over their faith, it's the apostle who planted the church, who has a, his authority being undermined. He has every reason to be like, okay, I'm Paul here. I'm going to like lay down the law. But he says, no, I can't do that because you know who's over both of us. You know who's over both of us? The Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, this is the key thing I'm going to tell you if you're in any position of power or authority to recognize this fact. It's really key if you're going to be a leader in the church. Remember that the people that you, you serve as a leader, that you are under God the same way that they are under. You can't lord it over their faith because each of you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of you will call an account, which is why you have to live according to your conscience and even more, maybe, I, I would advise you as a parent, as a parent, like you've been charged with a great responsibility in raising children, but you can never use that authority to lord it over their faith. Because ultimately that child, even though that child, you know, you're in a position of authority, that child stands before God just as you do. And so you never approach any disagreement as Lord, but as both of you underneath God, even though you have a particular responsibility, even when you're disciplining a three-year-old, the three-year-old stands before God. All this is to say, 
When the emotional temperature rises in conflict, we need to remember who God is to set everything in the right light, to see right from wrong and to know that all of us stand and fall before God. Not one of us is put as Lord over another, except the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that's one. Remember God. Secondly, be a co-worker of joy. Okay, co-worker of joy. Who wants to be a co-worker of joy? That sounds like a good thing. Yeah, a co-worker of joy. So this is from the next part. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Again, it says, you stand in your faith, your faith before God. It's not, I can't lord over you. Jesus is the only lord. And, and my favorite line, so it's a little clunky in English. We work with you for your joy. Okay, and literally, like, 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 like I, I want to translate it, although it doesn't make sense in other ways. So, but it's that the, the literal Greek kind of hyper literal rendering is we are co workers of your joy. And so it's, it's only like a couple of co workers of your joy. We are working cooperatively with you that you have joy in life. Now, I know this has caused you sorrow, but trust me, we are working with you for joy. Now, the fact is that in every disagreement you will ever have with a Christian, is that you need to see that you are on the same team. You're not competitors, but co-workers. And ultimately, if our, if our goal in life is to love God and to enjoy Him forever, that if our, our ultimate destiny is joy in God, and if we as Christians are working towards that destiny, we're working together in such a way that we are called to be co-workers of joy with each other, and so that in every conflict, even one that might have tears, and this one will, we'll see that, that our ultimate purpose and goal is working together to bring joy to each other instead of tearing them down. We are not competitors, but co-workers. We should kind of be like, uh, you know, like an, an oligopy. You know, you know, like the oil companies, like OPEC? I get, get a little economics, but they, they all like work together and they all like, they have a meeting and they're like, okay, we're gonna set the price of oil at $90 a barrel and we're gonna ship this to keep the price high so that we make just tons of money. And so these worldly people, they can work together so that they can make money. And now if we just realize a little bit of the war that we're in, that we would lay aside our differences to work together, to be co-workers of each other's joy instead of being so quick to compete. And I think about this for my shame, like so often when I get into an argument, my goal is to win. 
at any cost. And so I'm, I'm, I'm with my wife. And I'm, and I am just, this time, I'm going to convince her that the bowls go on the bottom rack on the side corner thing. And I'm just going to like, and I'm going to win this argument. Maybe not with words. We do sly things like we said, but I'm over there a little bit, walk away. But the fact is, like, there's no way that I win against my wife. Not just in the whole, like, man thing, husband thing, but the fact is, like, we're a team. The only way we win is we win together. If one of us wins, both of us lose. The only way we win is when both of us win. And we need to think about it in every conflict with another believer. The only way we win is when we both win before God. We need to realize we're co-workers of joy in God. Working with each other instead of against each other. Now, I know, I mean, the big, the big thing that comes, as I said, with another believer, you're on the same team, is that, you know, maybe that person really isn't on the same team. You know, they're working for other purposes. And, and that, that, that's a real thing, and there's probably something to talk about, but, but maybe the most important thing to see is that before you start going saying, like, those people there, they're working for the devil, you know what one of the devil's favorite schemes is? It's getting people to divide and say, hey, you're working for the devil, okay? So don't fall into the devil's trap by calling other believers of the devil. All right. Three. Admit your own mistakes. Ah, do we have to talk about this one? <laughs> now, this obviously builds on the first two principles. Because when we're thinking in terms of ourselves in light of God, God's light is going to show some darkness in all of us, even when we're really, really right about something, you know, we're often wrong about a lot of things too. And as far as we might have gotten fault in what we said or how we said it or did it, we should be quick to own up to that fact. When we're working for others' joy, we tend to see things from their point of view and can own up to where that we've fallen short. So we're going to see what, what Paul does here. And Paul maybe isn't the quickest person to admit mistakes, but, but here, here we go. For I made up my mind not to make another painful or grievous or sorrowful visit to you. For if I cause pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? Now there's, okay, there's, there's like a huge debate here on exactly what happened here, but, but there's some travel or letters that Paul made that we don't have or have record of, but Paul makes reference to here. And it seems from the best of my ability that Paul at some time during his three year or so, a little less than that, stay in Ephesus, 
made a short trip over to Corinth, and it went badly. He was maybe only there for a week or so, and there was pain, painful visit. Okay, some people think he went in person. Now, we know he also sent a letter, which he's going to talk about. And that letter also pained people. And that letter is not a letter that we actually have. You can call it 1.5 Corinthians. And I suspect that that letter caused enough trouble that Paul told the Corinthians, hey, you know that letter, the letter of tears, some people called it? Um, How about you just toss that one? Like, we're not going to save that for posterity like the other letters. And so he said, like, he has caused pain to people. Paul admits that what he visited and what he, he wrote caused pain. Now, it wasn't his intent, but that is what happens, and he owns up to the facts of the situation. Now, for ourselves, and it can be so hard when we've been grievously hurt. And I I don't, like, like, there are people in this room who have been hurt in unspeakable ways that you could hardly imagine, that I could hardly imagine. And, And even... In the hardest situation, we should be able to see ourselves rightly in any sin that we might have committed to be able to, to, be able to say that we're wrong. We do need to remember when we're thinking about our mistakes versus other people's mistakes, the plank spec rule that Jesus gives us, you know, take out the plank in your own eye before you remove the speck of your, your brothers, because our mistakes often seem much smaller than they are and others seem bigger. That's kind of the way that we're wired. And be sure to account for that as you think about what might my part be in this conflict and the problem. Okay, so admit your own mistakes. Fourth, have a team mentality. Okay, I cheated. This is the exact same point as point two, but it's so important that I wanted to say it twice. (laughs) Paul goes on, and I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. Now, Paul here is simply explaining himself, his letter of tears, why he wrote. And he wrote so that they would not feel pain, although it ended up being. And he ends, he says, I felt sure that my joy would be the joy of you all. And in so many ways, Paul keeps referring back to this idea of union with Christ in this letter. We've already seen it in a couple of ways. The first was in comfort. So that if 
We share comfort in Christ, we share it together. If we share suffering in Christ, we share it together. And here, if we have joy, we have joy together. And this is simply from the most glorious doctrine that we cling to as believers in Christ. That by faith in Jesus Christ, we are joined to him in such a way that all of the sin that we have, have ever have done or will do is paid finally and completely and unreservedly by Jesus' blood so that we are free forever from the punishment and consequences of sin. Added to that, we're united to Christ in such a way that Christ's righteous life that he lived before the Father in complete harmony to his will is credited to us so that we are the righteousness of God. How glorious is this truth? That is why we stand as sons and daughters by faith in Jesus Christ, united to him in this glorious fashion. And even more, as we are united to him, we are united to him as his body, which unites us as believers to each other in a very real way, such that if we have comfort in Christ, we share that with others. And if we have joy in Christ, my joy would be the joy of all of you, that our joy is shared together in Christ. And so it's not just in some like pie in the sky, like, like you know, we're going to have a win-win mentality. It is like literally at a, at a metaphysical reality of Christians that when one of us wins, all of us wins together. Which means, again, that we have to have a team mentality when it comes to conflict. We said we are not working against each other, but we are working with each other against our common enemies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I played, I played basketball when I was in college, and one of, the, one of the things that would annoy me to no end is at the end of a game, some of the players, and I admit I had a little curious in, interest in this myself, but I, I tried to avoid it is the first thing they would go and do is they would go check the score sheet. You know why? To see how many points they scored. It's like, we lost by 32 points and you care that you scored 14. It doesn't matter because we win together, we lose together. The same thing in the body of Christ. Don't check your score. Like we as a church, we win together and we lose together. We are a team and we only win when all of us win. It's one of the reasons why we always have to care for our weakest member. Think of, man, I went and visited Mary Hanlon in the care home uh, uh, Friday. And, and I kind of say this like as an embarrassment, like, like I'd, I'd kind of like 
you know, COVID happened, we couldn't visit, and I kind of like forgotten about Mary. Just like, it's, it's a shameful thing, because she's like, she's a part of us. Like, she's lost her memory. She doesn't like, like, you know, but she's still part of us. And if she suffers, we all suffer. And if she has joy, we all have joy. And it's funny, like, meeting her and just being able to share with her, it's like, like that was like joy together in a way that I couldn't have felt apart. Five, feel the pain you inflict. Now, there are times when you have to say hard things. You will, and and ultimately, like, you should say hard things. Because we're all sinful and we all go astray in different ways. And as we do so, we have to remember, as we go through, we need to remember God that the rightness and wrongness of our actions are determined by him. If you're going to call someone out who's a believer on something, you better like have scripture like with you on your side. Good advice for parenting too. Be like, oh, you lied. You did not just made your mom mad. You violated God's command. This one's written on the rock. It's pretty important. Don't bear, bear, bear false witness. And we need to be co-workers of joy, working together for what brings joy to us all. We do need to admit our mistakes. We have to have a team mentality. But when we do have to confront, we should, as Paul does, feel the kind of pain we inflict. Paul says, for I wrote to you. Now he talks about his letter that he wrote and before he talked about the visit. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears not to cause you pain but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you in your life in every situation you're going to end up having to say hard things Things that are going to hurt other people. Now, you can say hard things in, in like dumb, foolish ways. Don't do that. But we're going to have to say hard things constrained by love. The abundant love that I have for you. But, but this is the truth. And you see this every time you say, and you're going to have to say something hard. You need to say the painful thing Feeling the pain first of the words. So like, don't just like cut randomly with anger to push down, but feel the hurt you're inflicting. Like Paul does here, much affliction and anguish of heart and feel the tears. Now the truth is because we are one body united to each other, is that you can say words without feeling them and like the pain doesn't go away and very very often the pain comes later and without you being able to think about it like the pain doesn't diffuse because we share in one body if one feels pain all of us feel pain but if you write it in the tears or you speak it you speak it having felt it in your own heart it's like don't wound don't wound with any weapon that you haven't felt first on your own heart and soul. 
feel the pain that you inflict. And so when you have to confront, like let that weight sit and sink, cry the tears as you do it. Now, don't, don't let that dissuade you. Like say the things you need to say, like truth really matters. But feel it as you speak it or before you speak it. All right, it's five, five points. Let's be this kind of church. Not to avoid conflict, but to enter into it in the right ways. Remembering that we have a God who judges all. Being co-workers of joy with each other, even when we have to say things through tears. Admitting our mistakes. Realizing we truly are on the same team, and team isn't close enough really, the same body and only dishing out the kind of pain that we have already felt in our own hearts. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would lead us through the hard road of conflict, thinking of you first of all, setting our sights on your love and faithfulness, knowing who we are before you, and only cutting with the words that we have felt the sting of in our own hearts first. Lead us, Lord God, and protect us and deliver us from every evil in this area. For your glory and kingdom, we pray. Amen.